Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Welcome to the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast. Larry Kreider here, uh, and so glad to have back with me today as we talk about leadership and have conversations on leadership, uh, my friend Jimmy Nyman. You had shared with us before all that God's been doing with you and Lifeway Church, and welcome, Jimmy. Yeah, thanks. Good to be back with you. And, well, I was just so inspired by your stories, <laughs> your God stories about how you came to Christ in Texas, in Texas, you know, years ago, and how God met you in such a sovereign way. And, and yet, you know, you're just open and honest about your life, and you give the stories beyond the stories. And today, as you pastor Lifeway Church in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, seeing God do some amazing things there, and uh, 1,500 people calling out the church home after six years, that is just a miracle of God. It's amazing. Sure. But God's really used you, and you've been faithful in a lot of areas, and there's things you You've learned that will help lots of other leaders. We've talked about convergence. We've talked about the presence of God. We've talked about faithfulness. We've talked about serving other people's visions and all this kind of things. And by the way, if you haven't heard that podcast, go back and listen to that podcast. I think it'll be a, a great blessing to, to anyone who's listening to this podcast today. Jimmy, I want to talk to you about the church plants. You know, you've planted this church, how that happened. And just some of, just quickly walk us through some of that process. When did you feel like God's called you to plant a church you know, how did you know that? Uh, what are some things you were involved in to help prepare the way? Again, the stories behind the stories that prepare the way for what you're doing today. Yeah. So in the in our previous uh, podcast yeah. and discussion, I talked about feeling called yeah. to apostolic ministry, but I haven't a clue what even right. that meant. Right. Like, what's it mean? Over time, I began to discover that for me, at least my understanding of apostle is an apostle is a builder right. along with being a father. Yeah. So they're a yeah. building father is a good way exactly. to put it. So I, I liken uh, the fivefold ministry to a, a house, you know, and so I'll say, well, or, or, or like building a house, well, I say, well, then uh, the prophets are the blueprint designers, apostles are the general contractors, right. uh, you know, the uh, evangelists are those who fill the house, and uh, the, the, you know, the pastors care for the family right. that's in the house, and the teachers furnish it, as right. it were. And it helps. Great analogy. It helps a lot, and it helped me to understand my role and the need for the other other parts. That's right. And so going back to my church planting journey, my church plant really begins, uh, the, the real awakening to it begins yes. in, in a ministry I helped develop called the Gateway House of Prayer. And um, Gateway House of Prayer was intent on becoming a 24, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year worship and prayer, right. simply because we thought Jesus was worthy. Yep. And uh, while there's a lot of different movements that have, have done it or tried it, um, you know, I, I know of about maybe three in the United States that have been able to pull off 24-7, mm -hmm. and Gateway happened to be one of them. And we did it on a whole different model than the others because we, we actually tried to reach the region and right. utilize intercessors and worshipers yep. and and partnership it being the key idea or teamwork. A regional teamwork became a value for our ministry. And so I had a lot of uh, breakfast and lunch appointments with pastors asking, how can we pray for you? And do you have anybody in your ministry that would want to be... Take a watch sure, and pray sure. and seek God. And so through that process, we, in about three years, became 24-7 uh, and had 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 
365 days a year of someone uh, standing watch in the Gateway House of Prayer, worshiping in prayer. Yep, the effort of Pennsylvania. I remember <laughs> I wish well, when I, you yeah. were leading that. I was there many times. Yeah, it's awesome what God did and did and is doing there. It, it would be really helpful for those who don't know our area. I mean, this is a farming. Right. There, there, well, there's there, there's some levels of suburban I like clusters. It's really mostly a farming community. The Lancaster with, City is a big city of what sixty five thousand, so it's small, you know, really. Yeah, exactly right. And then I don't know what effort uh, what we have here, but I mean, even in the region, it wasn't people coming from all like right. from the south. It was mostly up in our mm-hmm. area. To give hope to say that, in fact, the church that I planted for those who are listening, because you're going to hear you hear numbers like you're like fifteen hundred people in you know, five and a half years. Yeah, and we're my whole county. Lebanon County is 130,000 people and over a tenth of them show up for church. <laughs> so you don't got to be, you don't got to be, we, we could think, well, it's this because you just got the better dynamics. I nah, just, we got God. And right. so it, it, if you just listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying, quit trying to copy everybody else right? and just do what you're feeling led to do and, and try stuff and, you know, don't take yourself too seriously if it doesn't work. Try something else. Key things God showed you, key leadership principles you've learned. Some of those things you knew it when you're doing it probably, and some things you look back later and realize, oh, that's what God was doing. Right on. Some of those things I love to hear you share. Some okay. Of the things you learned. So, uh, first of all, in the second year of the Gateway House of Prayer, I was taking a watch by myself. I, I, I was probably praying 20 hours a week in there just trying to right. fill the schedule. It wasn't, I wish my motivation was noble. I just want to spend time with God. No, I was trying to fill hours. <laughs> right. Uh, and one of those times, I, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, pay attention to what I'm teaching you because I'm teaching you about planting a church. Mm -hmm. Now understand, I am literally in the very beginnings of the house of prayer ministry. Right. And so I'm like, well, first I didn't want to be bothered with that. I'm like, Lord, don't tell me that That, that's going to mess me up. I I don't even want just, I'll focus on this. And, but he did that for a reason. And as time would go on, there's multiple things I learned when I think about application to the church. One is teamwork. You don't do 24 seven without people. Mm. You need a team. And, and the whole concept of teamwork, my thoughts on teamwork are this, um, you know, teamwork is one of the values of Lifeway Church. And one of the things I had a situation where a lady on our team, I won't call her out publicly because she's awesome. But she was a volunteer at the time in Lifeway. And we, we put together these Christmas sure. programs and or to get, get the small congregation at that time of about 100 people together. And, and uh, it's our first Christmas thing. And the teamwork was a value from the very beginning. And I, uh, you know, one of the, we ask questions for our values, you know, what's your, um, you know, uh, uh, in this case for teamwork, it's, you know, team and work implies there's work right? and who's the team. So, <laughs> so here's my work and who should be joining me in this work. Yes. And so uh, the lady was putting together this Christmas program and she did a phenomenal job. It was a really fun night, but I noticed no one, but maybe her little family was helping her do stuff. Wow. And so I sat her in my office and I said, Hey, listen, you get an A plus on the execution of that. Right of that uh, event. It was phenomenal. Such a fun time, such great connection, all that. But you get an F on teamwork. <laughs> sure. Yeah. The shock and awe on her face. I said, listen, you missed an opportunity to disciple others in the things that you do yeah. and in all that. And it, what happened during that time was we began to realize there was a kind of a little study about teamwork we were doing. And I began to notice in the Bible that the father, son, and the Holy spirit are an eternal, yes. uncreated reality, which means teamwork mm-hmm. is an uncreated reality. Right. Ponder that for a minute. Yeah, that's that means amazing. that means in in the scheme of all things, God always has always wanted an interdependence. It's in the Godhead. It's in and of itself. However, that works beyond my brain. <laughs> right. And He wants that interdependence upon us in the body of Christ. So when I'm in that gateway house of prayer, I'm learning my need for that. Was during that time we were growing. 
uh, my administrative skills are, you know, yeah. if you speak Spanish, muy poquito, poquito, <laughs> I can, not very little. And so I, um, I said, um, I said, uh, I, I, we went on a 21 day, fa- you know, prayer and fasting was normal for right. us. And one of those 21 day fasts, I was asking God for the gift of administration. But really, well, he did some amazing things to me personally right. to help me relate to administrators. The real thing he gave me in that 21, so I can't, I figure if gifts come from God, he can give whatever. So I was going to ask. Right. But even in giving it to me, I don't have it in the way that right. a, true, a administrator. true administrator, you know, uh, with hyper detail and all that. What it did do is teach me a how to relate to them and, and, and maybe more importantly, how to, that I need to value when you're a prophetic person, right. you like that revelatory stuff. Don't bother me with schedules and details. I began in that season to learn the value right. of that. There, you who've been to Lifeway Church, you yes, understand the dynamic and right, how yeah. well structured we are yeah. and all that stuff. And I began to realize God gave me a, a picture of, of Joseph in the Bible and how Joseph was one of the most prophetic people in the Bible and yet was one of the most administratively talented in the right. Bible. Right. And the Lord was, t- was trying to teach me those things are not mutually exclusive. They can exist right. in one person and then therefore they can exist in a ministry. Right. And Go I think ahead. in most cases they exist in a team because, you know, Jesus, everything he did, he always built teams. You know, not two by two. Paul built teams. It wasn't just Paul writing the, the epistles. It was Paul and the team usually. Right Timothy, Sylvanus, whatever. And, you know, as I look back at my life and 50 years of leadership, I think Almost everything, if not everything, that I have ever been called of God to do, I didn't really launch it or really do it until I had a bit of a team. Because God is a team God. And you said it well. The Godhead obviously models that. You said something else really important here. You said you get this gal and you set her down and said you did a great job. You, you want to explain to her. She needs to get other people helping. But you used affirmation. You said, I affirmed her. Another key leadership principle. Yeah. Teamwork and affirmation. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, again, you know, one thing about uh, John Maxwell says, if you can lead a, if you can, uh, 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 you know, lead a nonprofit or a volunteer organization, you can lead anything. Yeah, that's right. Because true. we have to motivate people yeah. without a paycheck. It's a volunteer army. Really. Yeah. You're motivating by some higher value than, that's right. than, than, than money. That's right. I always tell people, man, if, you give, if I can motivate you by value and money, I'm winning all day. <laughs> and so, uh, but I, it was during that season, my own leadership grew. So I think a lot of us, we have a tendency to think of, a lot of these stories get told. You'll hear stories like this on podcasts like this. Right. Andy Stanley has his. Different right. Craig Rochelle has right. his. You have yours. Right. And we hear from the leader, but often the focus is on what the leader did to step in and do stuff. Right. The reality of it is I was growing as a leader myself. Exactly. I was getting and developed. We all are. we got to yeah. run up to that. Yeah. And so the development of learning, okay, uh, I'm the kind of guy that wants to conquer the next hill. I don't park very sure. well. Like when I, I don't celebrate victories real well. I'm just happy it's done. Check. Right. Now the next mountain, we're going, right. we got some new turf to take. And I had to learn, I had team members, yeah. my team, challenging me on how to be a better, leading up, as we call it, challenging me how to be a better leader. But hey, could you just celebrate? Could you pause long enough to celebrate a victory? Could we throw a party? Yeah. Could we Could we share what, like the touchy-feely people want, like, could we share what ministered to this the most? And that and I'm like, that's hard for me, but I realize I'm not the most valuable person right. on the team. We're all valuable. All yeah. of us make it happen. Yeah. And, it, and so there was a uh, equalizing of my own value. In fact, I often say it this way, even to this day. Like my elder, like my pastors, we have a, you know, sure. I'm the lead pastor. So there's right. an hierarchy exactly. of leadership. But when we come to the table, I don't care if you are a part-timer in children's ministry right. to the lead pastor and anything in between, we have a Knights of the Round Table approach. For those who know that story sure. of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, mm-hmm. the, the legend goes that King Arthur would invite his knights, regardless of rank, to sit at the table and they could challenge the king. They could say whatever they wanted to to his face. They could try to put him in his place. 
And and while albeit while trying to do it with honor, when they left the table, the hierarchy would resume. Right. But at the table, everyone was was perfectly equal in their values, in their contributions, in their opinions. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it's up to good leadership to process all that right. data and and do something with it. And have, you was, also, have you also noticed that often the people on your team are that they, they do the best job are those that are different than you? Have you recognized? Have you seen? That? I, I, mean, I, I truly value the people that are different than me. <laughs> yeah, yep, that's great. I think great leaders. I think people are going to move from good to great in leadership. Yeah. That is an important part yeah. of the journey where you you don't just tolerate people that are different right. than you. You love them. You understand what they bring to the table. Yes. They may they may look like the. Uh, I've got people that are almost OCD in their detail, and it can be annoying, uh, but. Yet they catch things that I would never catch. Yeah, I can tell you value your leaders, you value your teams, and that is critical for good leadership. I do. Yeah. So uh, when it, so uh, my journey then from while I was in the Gateway House of right. Prayer, I began to sense. I did, I did that for about eight years. I began to sense the call to plant Lifeway Church. Part of it was I was burnt out. I was going on my first sabbatical after ten years of ministry. Right. I was well. Barry Whistler, who was uh, who was the lead pastor of uh, yeah, yeah Ephrata Community Church at the time, and it now leads HarvestNet right. International as an as an apostolic leader. And he uh, he challenged you when you go on sabbatical, just rest, you know, retool, whatever you do, don't make any life changing decisions. <laughs> I wish you would have never said that because <laughs> what ended up happening was is while I was on sabbatical, I felt like I heard the Lord tell me it's you, you're you're called to plant a church, and so I came back from that. He wasn't real happy about that whole deal, but. <laughs> What had happened earlier that year, and this got, what the thing I want to highlight here is, like if I could just take my put my journey in a in a sentence, maybe uh, my journey is really not one of extraordinary thinking on my part. Right. It was just being willing to listen to people yeah. and learn from what they were saying, mm-hmm. to partner with others. I think the greatest difficulty that visionaries have is slowing down, that's true, and allowing people to share in the vision. I know I, I've said it myself. I've not, the vision's mine. You can help me with other things, but in, and it's just hard to share. First of all, it's just hard to share. It comes from our childhood, right? Right. Mine. Right. You know, well, we can do that as adults with a vision and whatever. When I was in that season, there was a, I was wrestling with Lydia and I felt called to do this. Lydia and I were both praying about the church plant, whether we were in Gateway. I took 20 people from Gateway down to a ministry, uh, IHOP Atlanta, right. International House of Prayer in Atlanta, where Billy Humphreys was leading. He had a praying church conference. Some guy gets up there and preaches about the praying church as an altar call. You feel called to plant a praying church. Everything in me is stirred up, except I got 20 people down there. So there's no way I'm answering that altar call because right. I don't want to freak out the morale <laughs> right. of the people I brought with me. So instead, I pray, said, Lord, I can't answer that altar call due to not wanting to hurt the morale of people. Sure. But on the inside, I'm answering it. If that's for us, would you please send somebody to say something? Unbeknownst to me, Lydia, is, my wife, is standing a few feet from me, and she's praying the same thing. Lord, if wow. this is Jimmy, just got, you know, brain gas, or is this <laughs> you? And uh, a guy, a worship leader from uh, kind of the Hosanna Integrity sure. Movement of the 90s, a guy named Kent Henry walks up to yeah, me. I met Kent years ago. <laughs> Kent walks up to me. Kent, if you know Kent, so for those who don't know Kent, Kent's like probably, I don't know, I'm guessing he's 65, 70 by now. I'd say. And, um, but he's always like the eternal hippie. Like, he's like, hey, bro, what's up, man? Like he's, <laughs> and so he came up to me and was, hey, I, I think God's uh, giving me a word for you. Uh, and I'm like, okay, cool. Would you mind if I go get my wife and I'll meet you at the you know sound booth back sure. there? He says, sure, yeah, I'll get my wife too. And so they come back and they begin to pray over us. And we were asking, I asked God two questions. And now listen, when you think about leadership stuff, this is really important. Right. I knew I was feeling called and moved to plant a church. 
But I didn't know where I was even supposed to be on that. I think don't assume because you feel a call to plant a church that you're the leader. You could be a part of the team. That's good. And I was I had a, I had a moment. It was a little brief window of a, 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 a humility moment, a good humbling moment. Where I said, maybe I'm not called to lead it. Uh-huh. And I've, I've had to serve other men. I've actually done really well at serving other people's visions sure. and all those lessons we talked about in the exactly. previous podcast that I learned. And and so I, I pray two things. Lord, are we called to do this? Because I've built, I mean, Gateway, it's taken us a long time to get where we're at. Right. Here we are, ten, you know, we're eight years into this and it, it's going well now. And then uh, if, even if we're called to do it, am I the one that's called to lead it? If not, I'm okay to serve another man's vision. Yeah. No joke. Here's how the prophecy goes. It opens up with Kent Henry saying to us, uh, Spirit of the Lord says to you, you're not called to do the house of prayer thing. You're called to plant a praying church. There's going to be a young adult <laughs> emphasis that's going to grow in this thing. Oh which and, and then he went on to say, and somewhere later in the prophecy, I mean, Lydia and I were already just kind of tripping out on that. Sure. Then he says, uh, you've been, he says, uh, you've been asking God whether or not you're called to lead it. And the Lord's, and, and he said, and it, you, and it was important for you to serve another man's vision in a previous season. But what the Lord wants to do, he needs you to lead this for it to become accomplished. It's going to impact your children. It's going to impact a lot of lives. And you need to be the one to lead this. And that kind so of thing. Clear. is So there's more that will happen in that prophecy. But those are the kind of the catalytic, like I would just say to everyone who's trying, you've got a vision and you're trying to figure out what to do with it. Like, could you actually just trust God to be God? And actually right. he can literally make rocks cry out if prophets right. won't come up to you. Right. He could write it on billboards. He can, he can do no. whatever he has to do to get your attention that, Hey, I'm talking to you. Yes. I'm guiding you. Yes. I'm in this. And so then though, here's really, here's another important lesson. So first of all, trust God to be God. Right. He will speak to you. He right. will confirm what he's calling you to do. Please, please. I beg you. Don't go on the first impetus that right, comes to you, right. uh, especially your younger. Your younger ones need to hear this probably more than the older especially ones. Especially when you're playing a church that's going to affect a lot of people. So yeah. It's just your future or the future of a lot of people. So it, you need to make sure it's God. I would say even a business. A good idea. Yeah, I would say, a, I would say any, any visionary yeah. idea, we're, we're, going, we're, we're going to impact lives for, for better or for that's worse. Right. Every parent knows that's that. Right. Every you know, And so I began to realize that I wanted to... Um, submit it to the Lord. So yeah, I had this prophecy and this is really hard because once people get that, they think that's God's pull the trigger. It's go time. Right. It wasn't go time. It was go time in the sense of begin to have the discussions. Right. It was go time and begin to do some of the planning and praying. Yes. It was go time on a lot of things. But from the time of that prophecy to the time the church would launch would be, that would be three and a half years. Wow. The, the first part of it was meeting with my current leaders right. in the ministry roles. I was in an important ministry role. Okay, and this I was, is really important. Make sure things are cleaned up where you come from before you go into something new. And tell us how you, what you did. Actually, let me tell you, that. I want to give a, a lot of honor to Barry Whistler on that. He gave right. me some really good mentoring through that season. I came to Barry. He wasn't real excited because Barry, uh, I mean, he, he, well, we have a good relationship, and he wanted to keep right, me around. You're leading, you're leading this house of prayer. It's doing an amazing job, and God's using it powerfully under your leadership. I get that. And so I said, look, I, I'm not in a hurry. I said, but I would like to be, I think in 2012, I came back in a year, I'd like to be able to begin this process. So right. could, I, could I give you a year's notice? Let's find my replacement. Let's yep. begin to train them and all that. I think he was satisfied with that. That was kind. Now that I've worked with him on right. multiple occasions, most people don't give us that notice. And right. I'm like, hey, if you're an important leader, don't give a two weeks notice. That's right. for that's for entry level hourly workers. That's, that's not, right. if you're in a leadership position, you give as long of a notice as they will tolerate. Exactly. Love your neighbor as yourself in that. Anyway, yep. moving on from that, but I... I, uh, I began to have these discussions, and one of the statements Barry said, and I wish everybody would, would hear this, he said, look, I don't disagree with your calling, 
But he said, one of the signs of one of the seals of your apostleship in the Lord is that you leave things in a good state that's right. when you leave. That's right. And I would say that's true. It doesn't have to be apostleship, any kind of leadership. If you're a leader and you're a healthy leader, you want to leave things healthy. You don't so want the, in the wake of your leadership for there to be things shrinking, dying, right. suffering or unhealthy. We want to, that should be that. So. I began to put this out there. Barry began to meet with his elders mm-hmm. and share the vision that I was sharing. Again, there, again, the change is not... You know, I would just say this. Don't be surprised if the first reaction to your great vision is negativity. Right. They're not being negative because they want to be negative. Just the average human heart, right. you know, 85% of people just don't like change. Exactly. And exactly. so if you could accept that, then they just need time sure. to process it. Yeah. And so the elders did, and then they came back and said, hey... If you would slow down, Africa Community Church's elders said, if you would slow down, we want to help you plant this church. Uh, so the Ephrata Community Church, in my opinion, set the bar right. on what church planting looks like. Yeah. And I am largely successful today. In fact, I was largely successful in the House of Prayer because of them, mm-hmm. because of their investment. They get investment. Right. They get that it doesn't just happen. You don't just right. say, be warm and well-filled, slap them on the back as right. a laying on of hands and hope they make right. it. That, that to me is not sending. Right. Their idea of sending was slow down, come to elder meetings. Let us teach you how the infrastructure of this works. Now, yeah. I'm thinking in that moment when they did that, my pride was going, I already know how to do it. I've been in bo- right. bazillions of meetings with you guys. Right. And then I got on the elder team and it was different. It was, it was a whole other level. Yeah. And, and I learned so much by yeah. slowing down. Here's the other thing that you're fearful. If you're a visionary and someone tells you to slow down, what you're afraid of, I heard this now that I've coached a bunch of visionaries myself. Yeah. Everyone is afraid of slowing down the momentum. Momentum is the word I hear. I don't want to lose the momentum. I got all these people that are interested. So did I from the Gateway House of Prayer. And so slowing down was a cross for me. Right. And uh, the other part was they, you know, obviously when you're coming out of one church and you're an influential leader in that church, the last thing you want to do is cripple either either church. If I plant too close to them. Right. Then it could be pulling people back and forth or, right. or whatever. If I plant, you know, too far, it could it'd be hard to send. And so we, we, we partnered together. Partnership again right. was the key idea. Slowing down is a part of partnership. Mm-hmm. And so when they were t- they, like, uh, we worked through different ideas like, hey, uh, I'm willing to slow down. If you guys will let me have the vision because I have some ideas that what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You can tell me where. Sure. Like, I, I, I don't want to plant anywhere you're uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. You can tell me where. Um, and, and, and that kind of thing to get an investment. I, I, I can't draw, show you the graph that the right, guy gave me in right, my mind to help right. me understand win-win ideas when it comes to these investing investments. But basically, the uh, higher the investment, the more say people want to have. Right. Just kind of right. makes sense, right? Yep. And so uh, I began to realize we need to find a, a, a middle ground here. I want their investment, uh, and I need their investment. And a lot of leaders won't want to admit that. They, we don't want to admit that we need the help of others. Right. You need the help of others. Yeah. And so they ended up, what ended up happening is they paid for, uh, for they, they did a couple things. When I was transitioning out of Gateway, trying to figure out what we were going to do there, they hired me to be their discipleship pastor and create some discipleship stuff for them for about a year while studying church planting everything. Right. That was part of my job description was to do both. Right. Then in the year of the launch, 2015, they gave me permission to go 100% focusing, getting preparing for the church plant. So nine months, mm-hmm. they're investing in me. 100% of my salary wow. to get ready to church plant. I promise you more church plants will be successful. In fact, here's the stats. 85% of church plants fail. 
It's very right. similar to the business model. At least 85% fail. Sometimes some, some numbers go up as high as 90, you know, within the first five years. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way they were sent, the way sure. they start. They, they invested fully. So they did 100% the first year, two-thirds of my salary the second year while the church started receiving offerings, right, right. one-third the third year wow. with the hopes that I would be uh, sustainable and viable. And I was. Wow. And I owe a lot of that to them. There, uh, I had a subset of their elders serve as my interim elders and help me appoint my first elder team. And honestly, when I think about, I'm, I have a vision, as you know, for a church planting network. Right. I have that kind of vision in mind where we just, I'm going to take that model and I'm going right. to, I'm going to bottle that thing up. And, and that's just going to be the model, the way we plant churches in our So partnership network. is critical. Obviously, partnership is critical. And you see using that whole principle in the future as you plant churches. I remember many years ago, one of the first times I met you, you said, Larry, God's called me to build a denomination. I'll never forget that. <laughs> many, many years ago. And, and you were just speaking what you saw. And it was really the call of God in your life. Yeah, I was in a class with you. You were teaching on Nehemiah and the vision, the rebuild the wall thing. <laughs> and uh, I was having in and out checkout moments, writing notes, not because you were boring, but because God was all up in my head. <laughs> and, and I struggled a little bit of, if, I mean, I'm glad they didn't diagnose things as ADD back really? when I was growing up, or they would have definitely labeled me. <laughs> but uh, in that moment, I was actually felt like I had been thinking about planting a church is what happened. And the Lord's right. like, no, I've called you to think bigger. I've called you to plant a denomination sure, in the earth. Churches, and I was like, yeah. I didn't even like the idea of denomination. So I didn't even know family of churches I like right. better. But yeah, I, I was looking at your face like, yeah, I said, it sounds arrogant, right? And you said... Not if it's true. I mean, not if it's actually God's call. It's not and as you see it. It has been God's call. Yeah. So just just pick it up on a few of these key principles. The principle, obviously, of investment. Uh, the principle of honor. Uh, the principle uh, of partnership uh, from ascending church. And again, everyone doesn't have ascending church, and we all get that. But if there can be ascending church to help in the process, it's so much better. We never encourage people to go plant a church alone, have some kind of partnership, whatever that looks like. It can be different for, and if you're playing a church like yours, it's growing into a mega church, or whether someone's playing a micro church with the right spirit, obviously, or another community church. But make sure they do that with with partnership with God, obviously, it's got to be him, but also with others he's placed around them, because no man's an island. Can I... I mean, this is your audience, so I want to be careful here, but uh, can I put a, a, a kind challenge out? Sure. We, you made a statement saying some people don't have ascending church. So I'm a part of an organization called ARC, the Association right. of Related Churches. Right. They have been great. They were right. great coaches and great right. help. One of the things I've observed over and over again, one of ARC's built-in designs is that you right. have ascending church. Right. But That's always best. A lot of guys don't have that. So what right. they do is they get online. And they just find someone who's willing to yeah. sign off yeah. on them. Sure. Okay. There, there's multiple things wrong with that, but right. the, the, the not the sending part that they designed that. Right. That is part of the protection system. Sure. So I, the hard question I would ask anyone who doesn't have a sending church, why? Mm-hmm. Why don't you have a sending church? Yeah. I wouldn't have had a sending church if back in the days of Living Stones, I didn't learn to serve another right. man's vision. Right. See our first right. weeks or the first right. podcast we did. So... I had to ser- learn to serve another man's vision, and so many don't want to do that. So many don't want to slow yeah. down. They, we don't get what partnership is, right? You know, and uh, if you're a person who's married, understands uh, if you're going to have a healthy marriage, you and your spouse have to come to agreements, yeah, and then walk those agreements out. And some people are faster and slower than others. I've heard people right. say sometimes one person's the vision and the other person's the timing. Right. I would say that's true even in a church planting relationship because again, it's just more humans. Right. And some people are vision and, and, and want to move and speed, and some people are timing. 
uh, obviously there are unhealthy churches that if you, I know some of you will say the church I came out of was abusive. Uh, there, there could be a why along those lines or, um, I, you know, I, the church I'm in is self-centered. They don't, they're not thinking about the kingdom of God any right, bigger than their right, own right. walls. I get that, but there are still other churches. Then then I would recommend first step, leave that church as best as you can in good standing and go get in a healthy church first. Find a healthy connection. You're no, good. I agree with that. Because you're going to reproduce what you, you reprodu- reproduce according to your kind. Jacob's putting sheep right. in front of poplar reeds right. to mate, and they're literally producing yeah. what they're seeing. Yeah. Well, so will you when you plant a church. You're going right. to see health and you'll reproduce health, or you're going to see unhealth and unconsciously and unknowingly yeah. reproduce it. And I am talking from a lot of experience coaching right. others. If I beg you, for your, uh, you'd be better off waiting another year or even yeah. two. I yeah. waited two more years right. from the time I thought. And it was about three. I knew the time I wanted to start, it was three and a half years. Right. Almost three three years and three quarters, almost four years. And now I pinch myself mm-hmm. at the amazing things God has done. We've seen yeah. 1,100 people come to Christ. That's amazing. And, and this kind of growth in a region that didn't have a life-giving church, and or that we were aware of anyway, right. and that... Um, and we, we, uh, I owe a lot of it to just slowing down and listening uh, to others. Totally, totally agree. Totally agree. And you started with 55 people, right? You launched with 55? So we left Effort Community Church at 55. We had a one-month period pre-launch in the Regal Cinemas. We rented a Regal yeah, Cinemas originally. I, I was trying to find space. It was hard. People say schools. I mean, up here in the Northeast, schools are not as friendly as they are down south right. to churches starting in their facilities. Actually, the Regal Cinemas has a whole theater church division, so right. it made it. I, I had this idea kind of be last ditch effort, and that's how we ended up in the Regal. Um, they really are helpful, and it really went fast. We by the time we started with fifty five that first week at the Regal Portable Church Industries, yes. which is the organization that right. showed up to help us learn right. Portable Church, came in, brought our equipment, trained our people, and we spent that month. Uh, learning to do it each week. And I would do a little sermon series for the launch team, which was really small, like 55, right? right? So on, I think the first series was called I Serve, you know, yeah. and like <laughs> an iPad, I Serve, and teaching us about what we're trying to accomplish as people right. come in the first time on launch day. That was all prepped towards launch day. Between between those, in those first three weeks, we went from 55 to 87. A few more people heard about us and started coming. And I mean, some of the people that are here today, they literally heard about us and just showed up and they've been there ever sure. since. Then the following, the fourth week we launched, we went from 87. That's counting kids. I'm talking so 66 sure, adults sure. and the remainder sure. children. So 50, like something like that. So 55 yeah. adults to 60. So we gained like 11 adults in, 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 that, in that three weeks. And then uh, we sent out kind of mailers to the whole region. Now, keep in mind, I should say this. There was a year of prayer right. leading up to this. Right. And, and one of the important things we, we, we keep touching upon in our podcast is this idea of convergence. You, you don't see how important the relationships are that you have earlier that That's I told right. you about this partnership. That's and right. the reason so many church planters struggle, I told you they won't slow down. They're not being right. sent. You, you, I bet if you study yourself, you probably got more problems than that going on. Yeah. And so uh, I can tell you where you're at. If you have a hard time finding worship people, if you have a hard time finding other people that just want to go and serve you need to slow down and work on you. I'm just going to say it. That's I know. True. And, and you know, you, yeah, it's easy for me to say, well, remember, I was the small guy. I get it. I, I, I get the journey. And it's a miracle. I responded. I'm, I'm, I'm inherently proud. So uh, by the grace of God, I am what I am today. And I, and I value the, the humility of slowing down. And we went from that. And all these were part of relationships. Like uh, at the Gateway House of Prayer, there was a young man named Mark Billick, great worship leader. Right. My daughter's a great worship leader, but she was away at Bible college at the time. 
And so I reached out to this guy, Mark, and I said, Mark, would you consider joining us as a founding kind of help me build worship teams and, and get that going? Uh, there was a guy who came from Ephrata Community Church, wasn't sure if he wanted to come, but his, they lived up in Lebanon County. And giving them purpose, honestly, is what made a difference. And as I saw it, as I need to recruit help. That's a bad, you're never going right. to get people that way. Right. Give them purpose. That's really what we're doing. And so there was a guy, he had gone to uh, some school out in Philadelphia for like movie making, video stuff. I said, hey, I've got a bunch of equipment showing up that has cameras or whatever. I have zero. I know. Or are you willing? You don't have to know how to do it. Are you willing just to look at it and see if you can figure it out uh, when they show up that day? And it was kind of like that, assigning people temporary sure. positions. We said it's a, it's about the it's about the goal. It's not about the role, you know, kind right. of thing. Just we just want to launch, right. and roles are going to change because we got to figure it all out. But can we just go for the goal? Right. We want to see lives impacted. And so I was able to build teams based upon previous relationships. My recruitment was from there. So a lot of churches do struggle with worship people because Gateway House of Prayer had so many. Right. I had a lot of relationships. I was able to have like two full worship teams from launch day, and we have a lot more than that now. Yeah. And um, and that was previous relationship. People, that, that's so key. That's that, so, what so looks like a miracle. Oh. How do you? It's a miracle that yeah. God gave you all this. Well, yeah. yeah, that miracle was like twenty years in the making. But yeah, exactly. You know, often people come to me and say, "Well, we're called to plant a church." And I'll say, "Well, hey, do you have people following you? If you're a leader, you have to have people following you. You're just taking a walk. We all know that." Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Number, number two, <laughs> uh, have you ever led a small group? If you can't lead a small group, how are you going to lead a new church? Come on. I mean, whether it's a micro yes. church or a mega church or something in between. If you can't do that, have you ever discipled people or led a small group and then trained people to start another small group? This is all leadership stuff. If you can't do it within the confines and the protection of a local church somewhere, how are you going to do that when you're either another nation trying it or if you're trying it in your community because you haven't had the experience of doing it, you know, with the protection that's there for you. So, so yeah. I get that's so critical, so important. So, I mean, really, that's what you're saying. We only have a few minutes left. I want you to share with us a few just basic stuff. You say, I look back over over these years now, come to place. I mean, you're at a place of convergence to, to a degree. There's more coming, obviously. You're going to write books. You're going to do more things than you've done so far. And we've had those conversations. Uh, but you look look back and say, okay, and here's a couple key things I, I want everyone listening right now to know to prepare them for, if you're going to plan a church in the future, these are things to look out for. And we've already heard a lot of them. But is there any, I want to make sure we're covering all the bases that we have time for today that you have in your heart. This has been exceptional. So are we talking about uh, 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 prepping toward it and launching it or things that if you want to be healthy? Both. Either way. Um, okay. Because your heart has always been to have a healthy church. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's been health. Yeah, our goal, our goal wasn't growth. So people hear us, they think I'm a growth guy. Yeah. You're, you're about church growth. I'm about health. Right. And what I've learned is everything that's healthy grows, but everything that grows is not healthy. Right. Right. So think cancer. So, cancer grows, but it's not healthy in your body. Great, right. Great statement. But, but, but if you're healthy, if a child's growth was stunted at a certain age, like there's people that celebrate small for the sake of small. Right. Like I, I value micro churches. I have no issue right. with that. I know you, uh, you have a, a, a lady in your network, Kim Zimmerman and her right. husband. Like I, I value what they're doing. I think they're right. doing one of the better jobs of right. that than anybody. But Honestly, if you're not growing more of those, are you healthy? Right. And so I would say, I would like to see uh, people like that take the next step to impart themselves so we're reproducing. We're called right. to advance the kingdom, not exactly. part the kingdom. Exactly. So the kingdom is meant to advance. And so just starting with that. So health, the Lord took me on a journey to focus on a few things. There was, I call them the four pillars. Maybe we could talk about this, unpack these in a future time, but I can sure. leave, I can at least throw a teaser out there with this. Yeah. I think there are four things that, that we, that we need to do 
uh, that happens that will help us. First, you need to build a culture of prayer. Yeah. Uh, from the very beginning, I saw the apostles saying that they weren't going to devote themselves to serving at tables. Yep. They would devote themselves to the prayer and the ministry of the word. Yeah. And a lot of leaders are missing that today. Yeah. And anybody who's been in ministry long enough, including the guy talking to you, can right. tell you everything in hell will come against right. your time in the word in so prayer. True. So you need to build a culture of prayer. And then you need to teach it to others. You need to create the value. I started with one one-hour prayer meeting a week. Now, Lifeway Church has about, um, I think we have like 11 hours uh, in the form of prayer meetings in a week. We're now going to move to, take it to our small group model and, and try to take a whole different form sure. of engagement in that. And I'm always looking uh, to um, to uh, find better ways. In fact, let me, let me just say, throw a little tag there. At Lifeway, we say often we're married to the mission and the message, but not the method. That's good. So we're married to, to uh, uh, you know, the mission of making disciples, the message of Jesus Very Christ. Good. And uh, and we're married to the you know uh, when I say the method we're married to the, uh, the the mission of even having prayer as a culture and whatever, but the way we do it can change over and over and over again. People get stuck. And the fastest way to get stuck in your business and church experience is to be unwilling to change things that aren't working. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> prune the tree, man. If sure. it's not bearing fruit, prune it. And so um, we would we do simple things like that. And uh, when you have prayer meetings, some people complicate. I don't want to do prayer meetings. It's all complicated. I mean, like, seriously, I, I employ 10, 20, 30 method, T- uh, 10 minutes of giving prayer focus and direction. It's actually very important, but don't let it go longer than that because right. it gets people on the same page. 20 minutes of worship. We put something on YouTube or whatever and fill a room right. with that. Or you can get a person playing a guitar. 20 minutes of that, 30 minutes of prayer. And I make it an hour, and you'll see it grow. If you make it right. much longer than that, your average right. Joe just can't keep up with it. Right. So I, you can do other things, but that's we developed our, yep. our ministry that way. The second thing, <clears throat> pillar, is you need to consistently preach the gospel. That was probably yeah. my biggest journey. That's worthy of a better unpacking. But uh, when I was, it was, we talk about the stuff we learned from our past. When I was in the Gateway House of Prayer, I had one night. I was invited back by my successor, a guy named Luke Weaver, who yes. now leads uh, Youth with a Mission Lancaster, and is doing a great job there. Luke uh, invited me back, and I was asking the Holy Spirit what to preach. And he's like, preach the message you preached the last time you were here, which was like a year previous. I said, okay. And it was called, it was a message called Pleasing God. Anyway, it's a long story. But, but he said, preach the message you preached the last time, but tell him you didn't live it. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. So, so the Lord did. I, I shared my heart journey with this. So that it was the same message a year previous with a lot more humility, but still with the same end goal in mind. You know, and and uh, and one of the messages, one of the statements there was came out of Second uh, Peter, of what manner of people ought we to be in holy conduct, knowing the earth's going to melt with fervent right, heat, and right, so on. It's like right. that, that's crazy stuff, right? So I get to the end of the message. I'm closing the message like I normally do, and the Lord. I remember I'm in the church planting season. The Lord's getting ready. I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, "Preach the gospel." I've never done this ever. I've never done it publicly. Really? I've never done it ever. I was a house of prayer guy. I'm, I hang out with prophetic worship people. We're wow. all saved. And so I begin to think as soon as I hear that Holy Spirit say that come into my mind, I'm like, Lord, it's, it's Tuesday night at the Gateway House of Prayer. There's a hundred people here. I've got like 30 Koreans from Yonggi Cho's church here tonight. <laughs> like everyone is saved here. Why am I preaching the gospel? And, and you get that kind of, oh, sure. you know, you're like, 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 you're like a dad with his arms folded looking at you like, uh, <laughs> I didn't stutter and your ears weren't flapping. Right. Preach the gospel. So I, I, I preach the gospel, a simple gospel message about surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm channeling my best inner Billy Graham and like Chris Hodges <laughs> and anybody I've ever seen do it. And so I'm just trying to make it, I'm not making it simple. I mean, I get simple, but not easy. I don't want right. to like just say this prayer. It wasn't like that. It was, I want you to understand you're surrendering. It's covenant because I'd never done this before. 
I'm a teacher. I'm not an evangelist in my mind. And so uh, I get to the end of that. I'm thinking, would, would you everybody bow your head and close your eyes? I'm, I can't, I'm in my mind. I think I can't believe I'm doing this right now. And I've even judged people who make people bow their head. And ju- <laughs> so I've done it all. And I ask if you want to receive Jesus as Lord of your life, because you realize that you, you've been around Christians, but you've not actually made a covenant with Jesus right. and surrendered your life to his leadership. Six people raised their hand tonight, oh, that wow. night in a room of 100 people. Well, that's like 6% of the people. And so then I went on this journey. I thought, well, if Ephraim Community Church ever invites me back, which at the time was a church of about 1,100 people, if they invite me back, I'm going to do this again. And so uh, they did. Kevin asked me to preach a message on the victorious church. I come back and I preach. I get to the end of the message. Perhaps you're not feeling victorious because you never surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus. 55 people got saved that weekend. Wow. And I begin to say, when I plant a church, I'm, I'm committed to preaching the gospel every single week because I don't know when someone right. is going to come who doesn't know you. Folks, you got to do that. And Jesus said, well, I am lifted up. People, What's the secret to your growth? We pray and we preach the gospel. Yeah, Amazing. You do it very well. I've seen you do it. And then uh, three, you need to intentionally make disciples. Yes. Um, a lot of people have... Uh, 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 their mindset of discipleships, like I have small groups for that, or I have this for right. that. Look, if you, you reproduce, like you can't, as Jesus put it, a teacher, uh, uh, a teacher will be, a student will never be greater than his teacher, but if perfectly trained, will be like his teacher. Yeah. So the teachers, if you have the the person that you think is just moderately walking with the Lord, being your discipleship, you're calling that discipleship in a small group. That's not right. And while I think we need those connection points, that's sure. important. We call that experience and connection. We use that. I think you need to try to develop something that's a little more robust in your discipleship. We created something called Core Discipleship Intensive, and I can, exp- I can unpack it. Maybe if you want to talk about discipleship another time, we can do that. But I would say this. You, you, it takes intentionality to build it. You will not accidentally have a discipleship program right. you know, and so uh, of some kind. And, and, and that's the essence of the Great Commission. It Go is. And it's the mission. Disciple. It is it's the, the mission. mission. It is. It's the big idea. And yet so few churches put energy on that part. They, they they put emphasis on gathering and they call their Sunday morning gathering discipling. I'm like, no, that's Jesus. Jesus had a multitude ministry where he taught right. his more basic messages, which frankly challenged me anyway. Right. And then and then he had his discipleship ministry where out of that right. he was teaching them to live the life. Right. One of them, they get messages. The other one, they are being coached in living the exactly. life up close. Being a spiritual father, spiritual mother, same deal. What's number four? You need to create environments of care and connection. Okay. This is missing on a lot of the churches uh, today. And um, that's where you get outside yourself and try to imagine the experience that you're giving people. We are all giving people an experience. In fact, I would say if you're a business, you want to create environments of care and connection. I've been in businesses where the bathrooms are nasty. Right. I clean that thing up because you're giving me an experience when I walk in there. And we're all giving people an experience. And so from the time someone steps in, like people like, I just want to preach. Well, but 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 they they're getting an experience when they meet the first person on the parking lot. They're getting an experience when they shake that first hand at the door. Yes. They're getting an experience when they, they check into children's ministry. They're getting an experience if they're like greeted by somebody other than the greeter. Like, does somebody just is the culture naturally friendly? I want to know new people. Am I actually welcome here? Yeah. You know, and all the way to the time they sit down and we begin to worship, they get an experience in the worship. They get an experience in the message. Like, let me just use messengers. That's yeah. be a lot of the people yeah. that'll probably listen to this. If you're a preacher, and you use words like sanctification, justification, no glorification, uh, you throw out Greek words like suntantilambonomai right. and stuff like that. <laughs> so you thought I was speaking in tongues, but I wasn't. That's the Greek word for help. Um, I uh, like. I I think when you when you do those things, you 
are making an assumption people are where you're at. And yeah. instead of flipping that and saying, I assume you know nothing. Right. And I'm, so if I say, uh, hey, I was, praying in this, I was praying in tongues the other day. And what I mean by that is I was praying in a language that the Holy Spirit taught yeah. me. And then I move on. But at least the person who heard it could connect the dots to what I just said yeah. and what it means. You know, I, heard, I read years ago that John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church, he would run all his sermons by his nine-year-old servant girl. If she got Fantastic. it, then he would preach it. Fantastic. So these four pillars, the call to prayer, call to preach the gospel, just powerful stuff. Call to make disciples. And then called to have an environment of care and connectedness. It's just powerful. We are going to bring this to a close, but is there any the last word you have for future leaders, leaders, things you've learned that you want to share, and then we're going to bring this to a close. This has been so inspiring. I uh, appreciate you taking your time to join us. It's been fantastic. Any last-minute yep, words of yep, wisdom? Yep, real simple, simple thought. Be, be willing. <clears throat> it's really simple. Be willing to learn from others. Yeah. Be willing to yeah. be the guy that knows the least in the room. Yeah. Um, when we launched, they, one of the things they wanted us to do was send out mailers to the region. The thing I resisted the most in my whole training mailers Yeah. and, and Chris's and their understanding was Chris Hodges and the guy, one of the guys right. that leads an arc said sure. in the spirit of you build it, they will come. He said, actually, if you build it, they might not come because they don't know you're there. Yeah. And I, I knew that from gateway. I knew people right. would drive right. by and not know. Oh, I didn't know that was there. I'm like, right. really? We've been here for like 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so we did that first thing. We had 249 people show up on launch day. Wow. Which about 80 of them came, they told me, because of the mailer. Wow. So if I want people to come to a party, I send out an invitation. Yeah. Right? So uh, this isn't about the invitation. It's about having the heart that's willing to try something you yourself would not do. And it's not cheap to do that. Like that try was about a $15,000 try. Sure. And money was not. Right. That that was a lot of money back then. And so I, I, uh, but, but we did it. And I look at every life and I look at the lives that said yes to Jesus Christ when I preached yes. the gospel that first day. The four lives that said yes. That I remember the first day, four people said yes to Jesus. It made it all worth it. So I would say, you have a call that you're called to fulfill. You're not called to do it alone. God's called you to listen to others. Yeah. And there's wisdom in that. I'm talking to leaders. Leaders are learners. And part of learning is listening. And over the last six years... More than 1,100 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ, totally committed to Jesus. That's fantastic. Well, if anybody wants to find out more out about Lifeway Church, uh, tell us how to ch- check it yeah, out. Yeah, you, you can learn more about Lifeway Church. You can come to our website, lifewaychurch.life, not .com, lifewaychurch.life. Uh, we have a lot of resources there, and uh, we'd love to serve you. And uh, if you heard something on here today, and uh, you know, if we can serve you in any way, we want to. Jimmy Nyman, thank you. This is so inspiring both today and the previous podcast. So inspiring and hope to have you back again. There's so much inside your life to drill in some more and get some more for the future. So thank you, everyone, for joining us for the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast. Jimmy Nyman here today. Check out the show notes if you, have, uh, you want to know more about Jimmy or anything God's doing with him. And we look forward to having more conversations on leadership, learning those keys to leadership, those simple things that might seem very simple we often miss. Things if we apply them, Holy Spirit uses them to uh, use, use us to be amazing leaders for the kingdom of God to grow. So thank you. God bless you. And look forward to being with you Thanks. soon for another conversation. Thanks. It's good to be here. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com. 